The following podcast is a Next Level production. What's up, everybody? Ben back here, host of Wilhelm, and I am bringing you the first of what will be many bonus episodes of this program. As I've been talking about for a couple weeks now, actually, since the beginning of the year, both of my podcasts, The Spotlight and Wilhelm, have combined uh, loosely. March 1st begins the official date for the combination, and March 1st, just a reminder, uh, to Wilhelm listeners is the day that the the merger becomes official and you have to make sure you are subscribed to the new feed, uh, which was where the spotlight formerly reigned. And now Wilhelm is going to be moving to that uh, that RSS feed. Uh, so if you're unfamiliar on how to do that, just go to the link in the show notes. Uh, you will find it there. Go uh, click on that link. It'll take you to the page. And from there, just subscribe to that podcast if you haven't already. If you're listening to this via the Spotlight, because uh, you were subscribed to the Spotlight podcast, you are good. March 1st, you'll start receiving uh, all of the new Wilhelm content. Anyway, on to this episode. As I mentioned, bonus episodes coming your way. This is just the first of many. Uh, and these are what I will now deem my Wilhelm spotlights in which I get to have conversations with people from the entertainment industry, uh, actors, actresses, producers, directors, stand-up comedians, um, improv comedians, all kinds of people from, from the entertainment industry. And this being the first one, I'm so excited to bring this one to you. This is with a comedian, stand-up comedian, author, show host, metal music fan, comedian Jim Florentine. Jim and I got to sit down and talk for about a half hour, so nothing really truly extended. Talking about his career, talking about working stand-up in COVID, talking about his love for metal music, and all kinds of things. So, that being said, I want you, please, to just sit back, relax, enjoy this conversation with comedian Jim Florentine, and we'll be back with a new episode of Wilhelm this coming weekend, this Friday, February 25th. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, enjoy this conversation with comedian Jim Florentine. My guest is a stand-up comedian, fellow podcaster, author, show host uh, and metal music super fan. Uh, you'd know him from shows like that metal show on VH1, Crank Yankers on Comedy Central. He's worked with heavyweights like Metallica and Eminem. He's back on tour and his new comedy special, Bite the Bullet, is now available on YouTube. Please welcome to the program, Jim Florentine. Jim, thanks so much for spending some time with me today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I you know, um, you know, when I got the word, you know, about having you on, I got excited because I I'm a huge stand up comedy fan. So I know you, especially when it comes to local talent, because I know you are you're based in your you reside in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. I'm a Philly guy. So you're literally practically over the bridge, up the pike, however you want to. However you want to consider it. Yeah, so, no, I, you know, that's where I, I got my start, mostly in like South Jersey and 
Philly area and stuff like that doing like shitty one nighters. So I've always, <laughs> you know, and then down to Jersey Shore in the summertime, you know, all the Philly people go down there. So yeah, I love yeah. that uh, that crowd and everything. Yeah, yeah, Philly's got a, it's you know between Helium and Punchline and a bunch of other smaller clubs. It's uh there's a really good comedy scene here in this in Philly and even going over the bridge. I mean, I've been to. I've been to comedy shows up in Doylestown, PA. I've been to comedy shows in, in Cherry Hill and Marlton. And it's it's really everywhere in this area, as if you yeah. know where to look. Absolutely. Yeah. No, which is great. It's great for, you know, that, that South Jersey never really had like a good comedy club. They had like the comedy cabarets, but there were like little rooms in mm -hmm. a hotel or whatever. They never really had a good comedy club on the other on the Jersey side, which was weird. Philly always had one or two clubs depending but it just never worked and there's so many people that live over on that side you would think in cherry hill or something you know that they would have a club well i think there was one in cherry hill for a short period of time because i remember i actually opened for a friend of mine i i've i don't do it anymore i've never i did it maybe two or three times and it's it's one of the reasons why i love stand-up comedy comedy so much and talking to stand-up comics because having tried it i know how difficult it can be but I remember, I think there was a, a comedy club in, I don't know if it's still a Hilton at this time, but there was, I think it was called Rascals. Yeah, it lasted like, you know, six months, eight months. <laughs> was it short? It was that short yeah, month? I remember doing it. I think I did it one time too. Yeah, it seemed like they were trying to go for a little bit more of an upper scale comedy club. Yeah. And maybe that's why it just didn't last. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like for someone like you with the, the intro that I did, you know, being as into metal music as you are, I feel like that intro wasn't intense or metal enough. Like, no, I, I don't care about that. Like <laughs> I, I got no tattoos. I don't, you know, dress with spikes and any of that stuff. And, you know, the, the metal look or whatever. So I don't need, you know, the metal, the big metal intro. <laughs> Good. Cause I don't know if my voice could handle it. Yeah. Cause that's always like silly spinal tap kind of stuff. You know, it's like, yeah. You know, most metal people aren't like that. They just like the music, but yeah. So uh, you've been, you know, uh, continuing on with the stand-up conversation. You know, you've been in comedy for quite a while now. When did that love of comedy start for you? Like, when? What was it that attracted you to it that made you want to actually get into it and step up on stage? Well, right when I got on the first time I got on stage, you know, I was DJing before I did comedy. I didn't want to work a nine-to-five job. I was figuring out something. I was a big stand-up fan. I just didn't think that was going to be the route I was going to go. I was thought it was going to be like a DJ on the radio. Mm -hmm. And um, I did that for a little while. And then when I got on stage, I went to an open mic. I'm like, man, this is what I want to do. Like I knew from right from there, this is, this is what I want to do. When I was like, I'm sold. Yeah. I could be my own boss. I could do work what I want. Don't have to listen to anybody. This is perfect. It's, it's weird, you know, listening to your, how, how that was, how you got started we kind of do have a little bit of a similar background as I did DJing as well. I, I started in college and then I worked for, I worked part-time for MMR in Philadelphia, which I'm sure you're aware of them as well, you know, working for their morning show, Preston and Steve for a number of years, which led me into actually doing DJing at, you know, at clubs and parties and bars and things like that. And I kind of transitioned the same way into uh, keeping a microphone in my hands, similar to you, but mine is now more the podcasting element. And then I also go and I moderate panels at events. So I enjoy being on stage just as you, except mine isn't the creativity of, of comedy. Mine is more a little bit different as in like, I just enjoy conversations with people on stage in front of an audience rather than being up there by myself. Yeah. I mean, 
you know, when I, I was done college radio too, and then I got an internship at this little local station, New Jersey, doing the news. And then they, they said that it was weird. They had a format where like after 5 PM, whoever, you know, had the shift or whatever could play whatever music they wanted. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, old, uh, adult contemporary during the day. So they gave me a shift on like a Thursday night from like six to nine where I could just play. And I brought, you know, I was just playing metal for three hours. It was great. I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> and then they uh, decided to say, listen, we want to give you the morning show Monday through Friday. So that'd be great. But then all of a sudden I had to start playing Phil Collins and all that, all that, that stuff that I hated. Yeah. And you have was, to start you know, listening to the program format. director. At that yeah, point. And yeah, yeah. You know, like 15 minutes after you could talk for 30 seconds, give the time, the weather, and then move on. I was like, I don't want to do this. And I just got bored really quick with that. I was like, I thought I could just play my own metal. And as soon as I did that, I'm like, all right, I, I, I can't do this. I don't want to let, yeah. The program director call and you went over, you went six seconds over on your time. I go, who cares? Mm-hmm. We care, you know, all that stuff. So I was like, all right, this isn't for me. Yeah. They have to play to advertisers and sponsors. Yeah. And- yeah. Nobody cares. Nobody was listening anyway. Yeah. You know, many, and like, yeah. Too many strict rules at that point. Don't make any jokes. What are you making jokes for? I'm like, yeah, just try to throw a quick look. No, you know, it's not about jokes. Yeah. What am I here for? I remember yeah. I tried to sl- sneak in like an Aerosmith Dream On because I figured that was a slow song, even though it was probably not adult contemporary. But I'm like, all right, it's a ballad. And I remember like the program director, you know, coming in and screaming at me, you can't just play that song. I go, what's slow? It fits in. Everybody knows it. So that's it's, what I was, knew tame. I, I was yeah, done. That's, that's tame compared to most stuff out there. Yeah. So, but then I knew I was like, all right, I, I got to get out of this. Yeah. Plus, there wasn't any money in it. And then it was like, I was going to have to travel across the whole country and live in different towns. So, you know, I had my own business too, DJing, like, you know, weddings. And I was DJing like a heavy metal club. So I did all that stuff too. How is that? You know, I, cause I've, I used to do weddings as well. And I'm curious how it is from your perspective with, cause I'm a fan of everything. Like I like metal, but I also like the adult contemporary. Like you mentioned Phil Collins and Aerosmith. I, I, I listened to just about every, anything. And that kind of really came in handy when it came to DJing. But as somebody like you who was into metal with, how was that when you were doing weddings and things like that, would you try and find metal music that would fit the event or would you just play whatever was appropriate for the event that you were in. No, I played because I was DJing at a strip club too. So I had to know what the current top 40 songs were, mm-hmm. you know, at the time. So I was doing that. So no, it reluctantly, I had to play that stuff. But when people come up and ask for dumb requests, because I didn't like them, you know, can you play, you know, Buster Poindexter, hot, hot, hot. I'm like, <laughs> it kind of hurts you in your heart a little bit. It does. I'm like, you really want me to play that? Like, yeah, it's a great song, you know? And then I knew my career as a wedding DJ was over when, you get the couples coming up, the the bride and groom go, hey, listen, we, w- we want to do the chicken dance. Can you go out there and show everybody how to do it? I go, no, <laughs> I'm not going out. I don't even know how to do it. I go, I'll put it on. They go, yeah, but you're the DJ. Can you just lead everybody? I go, find, find somebody. Find yeah. some guy looking for attention that's drunk. Let him do it. Yeah. My job is behind the table. I don't go yeah, out. Yeah, I'm going front. out there. Because some of the DJs will have like an air guitar. They'll put sunglasses on. You know, they'll do a whole, a whole act. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't that. I'm like, look, I'll play the music. I'll keep my mouth shut and that's it. But I'm not, I'm not going out there and, and organizing the chicken dance. I was the same way. I was like, I'm the DJ. I'm not the MC of your wedding. Yeah. But so, a lot of DJs would do both, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, you know, they, Oh, we want a fun DJ. I'm like, look, I'll play your shitty songs. <laughs> your celebration. Fucking we are family, whatever crap. Yeah. 
I know I always got excited anytime somebody, even if it was the slightest little hint of anything towards that, like a little bit heavier music. Like I got excited anytime somebody came up to me and requested like Highway to Hell by ACDC or yeah. anything like that. I'm like, okay, that's going slightly in the right direction. So I'm excited. Yeah. You want me to play it? No, absolutely play it. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, yeah, I had when they come up there. What, so what kind of music you got back there? Right. <laughs> I got everything. What do you want to hear? What do you got? You know, he's drunk. I'm like, oh my god. Torture. Well, you were probably well, you were probably also in a time too where it was a little bit. I mean, now everything is digital. So I mean, it's if you don't have the, if a DJ doesn't have the song, they can basically connect to the internet and and get the song if they don't have it. They have access to pretty much anything out there. But I know you know at a time that I first started and when it was CDs and even before that it was vinyl. So it was a little bit more difficult that if you didn't have the song, there was no way to get it at that point. Yeah, no, I was lugging vinyl in crates mm -hmm. of vinyl. I had like six different crates. Yeah. You know what I'm doing? That's how, that's how I was doing it when I was DJing. So there wasn't even CDs at that time. Yeah. So then that makes it more difficult, especially for, you know, if somebody requests something and you don't have it, it's like, well, like, yeah, I don't have it. I can't play it. It's I usually had a pretty good mix of all the, the wedding songs. Like I kind of knew which ones it's the same, like, you know, out of the 25, 30 songs you play, at least 20 of them are at every wedding. So you already yeah. had those covered. And they're still at every wedding. Yeah. Like they're they, still. they don't die. I, I even when I go to a wedding now, when they start putting that stuff on, I'm like, oh my God, I go outside. Yeah, I I know like yeah, YMCA is still constantly played Apache yeah. by Sugar Hill Gang. Like they're all still played now to this day. Yeah. They Love just seem Jack. like wedding staple wet yeah. They just oh. seem like they won't die. No, they won't. I know. <laughs> but then I again, look, you as a DJ, you want people on the dance floor dancing. It's yeah. their wedding. So you have to go, all right, listen, man, I can't just I just can't play back in black and yeah. clear the dance floor. You know, people are having a good time. So you just go, all right, I gotta just suck it up and fucking play this bullshit. Yeah. Exactly. Have you have you been a metal fan pretty much your entire life? Yeah. Have yeah, I had two older brothers got me into it. They were like four or five years older. So they would, you know, I was a kid, they'd bring home, you know, all these heavy metal and I would go to concerts with them. My parents would let me go, but I just drive around their car. I was like 12. They were 17. They first got their license and just cranking Black Sabbath, Judas Priest, all that stuff, Ted Nugent. So mm -hmm. I just, you know, that's all the music I knew. Yeah. I mean, in, in between hosting that, you know, that metal show on VH1 and now you have uh, Metal Midgets on Sirius XM that you still do on Ozzy's Boneyard, you, you have to pretty much be in the know of everything that, you know, was already out there and anything that's still upcoming, I'd assume. Yeah, it's more like classic hard rock and metal, a channel, Ozzy's Boneyard. So it doesn't have to be, unless like Iron Maiden puts a new record out, I'll play some new stuff. But mm -hmm. as far as new bands, that's on other channels. But I, I, I know most of the history of the 80s the 80s metal and stuff so that's basically what you play on that channel yeah which is great so i you know i and i always play like the deep cuts is is metal all you listen to or, or is there anything else that you listen to on i started getting into like classic rock you know um i'm trying to see all these bands before they die off i just yeah. saw elton john i saw bob seeger i saw the stones the last few years a few times i saw the who i haven't seen billy joel yet i'm gonna go see him probably next month I got to see him. Yeah, I've seen him. I actually saw him twice. I saw him perform by himself and I went on him. I went and saw him when he was performing, when he was touring with Elton John. Right. Yeah, so, I saw Elton John. Seeger was great. So I'm sorry. And then I get into little country stuff, little country, like Southern Rock, mm -hmm. band called Blackberry Smoke, which is great. They're like Leonard Skinnerd. Um, I just saw this band, Whiskey Myers. They're like country rock too. I just saw them recently and stuff. So I'm, you know, I, I, and then uh, I like Zach Brown, the Zach Brown band. Mm -hmm. I've seen him a couple times. 
Are you into any of the newer stuff, kind of like Volbeat and you know? Volbeat's okay. That... You know, I like the uh, Dirty Honey is a band I like. Mm-hmm. There's this new band. It's Indian folk metal. The band's called uh, Bloody Wood. Well, that sounds interesting. It's really cool. It's like a cross between like Lincoln Park, Slipknot, and uh, and just and, and it's re- like with all the Indian music in between and stuff. It's really cool. Just I'm, the album, the pr- debut album just came out. I'm writing it wow. down. Yeah, what's it called? Bloody Wood. Bloody Wood. Okay. Yeah, yeah check I just it wrote out. That it's down. pretty cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out. Um, you know, I, I I I'm getting all the metal stuff out of the way. Then we're gonna we're gonna talk about your your special, obviously, before we wrap up. But, um. You know, getting into the metal scene that you're in now, I'm I'm curious from my own perspective because I've gotten to meet um, a number of bands, I've gotten to meet a number of celebrities over the years. When it comes to bands, you know who who excited you most to get the opportunity to meet, and kind of like who is there anybody yet you haven't met that you still have an opportunity to that you're you're just waiting for the opportunity? Well, the Sabbath guys, you know, I met them all between most of them doing that metal show, and then. You know, uh, met Ozzy a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. The Metallica guys, you know, James. Lars did the show a bunch of times. James never did it, but I met James al- alone. You know, meeting Angus Young was huge. He was, they, he was on the first season with Brian Johnson of that metal show. I'm so a that huge was, ACDC fan. Like, oh, I yeah, it was great. Them. So, so we, uh, you know, I had them. I never met Malcolm, unfortunately. Never met Phil Rudd or anybody like that. But mm-hmm. those guys and the Iron Maiden guys, I met most of them. Steve Harris did the show Dickinson. Dick, I've met Dickinson before. So that hasn't really been anyone that I haven't met. I don't think. Did you get the that, chance to meet Lemmy before he passed? Oh yeah. Yeah. Did Lemmy yeah. did the show like three or four times. Okay. Then I was on, you know, there was a comedy show on HBO down and dirty with Jim Norton. Mm-hmm. Jim was the host of the show and bring out comics and Lemmy was the DJ on the show. So Lemmy and Jim would go back and forth. So I was on, the, I was one of the comics on that show. So yeah, I met Lemmy a bunch of times. And if you ever went to the rainbow bar and grill in LA, he was always there playing Pac-Man drinking at the bar by himself. <laughs> that's that's over and say hello to him, you know, buy him a drink and shit. So Lemmy yeah. was amazing. He was the best. Yeah. I motorhead was, it was a huge influence on me as well. And, you know, I mean, even, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Airheads with Brendan Fraser and yeah. Steve Buscemi, like Lemmy gets mentioned as God in the movie. And it's just, yeah, he was, he was a big influence. I wasn't, that was a bummer of a day when, when Lemmy yeah. left us. So, so um, transitioning a little bit into, you know, into more of the comedy aspect of it. I, I know a lot of people would know you as special ed from crank anchors, uh, you know, which ran for two seasons. How did that come about? Was that the relationship with Jimmy Kimmel being a fan and, yeah. Um, yeah, Jimmy, you know, I was just doing doing prank calls. Mm-hmm. I was messing with telemarketers, incoming calls, and they would call, you know, just sit around and mess with them. And I had put a couple of CDs out on my own, no label, no nothing. And I mailed them in the Howard Stern show and Howard started playing them on the air. And Jimmy was a fan of Howard Stern. And he heard that. And right at that time, they were looking for guys to do prank calls. And I was doing that character and he was playing. He was like, dude, we want that character on the show. I didn't know Jimmy before that. He just heard him through the show and he contacted me, get my phone number and said, offer me the job on the show. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I ran for like four seasons. Then it came back. It's, you know, we did two more seasons recently of the show, mm-hmm. which is off everybody's radar. Nobody even knows it's back on the air because, you know, not, Comedy Central doesn't really have a big buzz about that channel anymore. But, yeah, so they brought it back after like 12 years. Oh yeah, because I, I I wasn't even aware that it came back until you yeah, just so, mentioned you know, it. Yeah, so you know, I did the two characters, Bobby Fletcher and Special Ed, on there. So that really helped my career out at the time. It was amazing because the show was at first it was slow getting off the uh, you know 
but then all of a sudden it took off and, you know, it, it was big for, you know, two or three years. Yeah. And, and there's only a shelf life at some point. I mean, at some point it's like, okay, it's the same prank calls over and over again, same characters. So it needed to go away. And then, you know, 12 years later, people were excited that it came back. And you still hear people doing their own special ed impressions and, oh, yeah. and things like yeah. that. So, I mean, it's, it did it. It was, a, it was a big, it made an impression on people. And I used to just do that because we like me and my friends growing up watching football or baseball, or whatever, and our team scores, I just start yelling like special ed, just be an idiot to make them laugh. Uh -huh. You know, my team scored the touchdown and I started doing it on, on phone calls. All my friends that I grew up with, like, I can't believe you're making money on that. I can't believe people in everywhere in the country knows that special ed thing. You've been doing that since you were 10. I'm like, I know. <laughs> Who would have thought? Do you still do it now? Do you still do the occasional prank call every once in a while just for the hell of it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm working on a new telemarketer CD. I do oh, my, most of my stuff is when incoming calls. Mm -hmm. You know, when they call, you know, that's how I originally I started. And the crank anchors is obviously outgoing calls. Yeah. But yeah, I'm working on another one now. I've, I've done six, six terrorizing telemarketers, it's called, six <laughs> albums. It's, I mean, especially now there's like an influx of like all those calls coming in about car warranties expiring and, and things like that like yeah mortgages a, yeah all that the, stuff and then healthcare. you know i i just got my phone my house phone reconnected i had it disconnected you know from like well i don't need a house phone anymore but to get the telemarketers to call as soon as i plugged it in the wall the, the phone was ringing off the hook yeah oh because they they feed on it i mean it's like they see those new numbers and they yeah. they go with it and then if, if you like the home warranty one, like I'll mess with the guy, maybe it's not a good call, whatever. They'll keep calling back. Like maybe it won't be the same guy, but different people at different times of the day, like three days later from the same company, they'll because they know that's an active number. Mm -hmm. Somebody actually was on the phone, stayed on the phone. So they'll call like 10 times, which yeah. is great. It's great yeah. for me. Yeah, because yeah, I've, I've taught people that before. Like if you don't want those telemarketer calls, you're going to get them either way. But the moment you answer it, they know it's an active number and it's yep. now on like 10 other lists. And right. It's just going to keep going. So yeah. but for someone like you that does that kind of thing and it is a matter of income and, and exposure, it's perfect for it. It's a great time for you. I'm, I'm, I'm the only guy that would definitely not sign up on the do not call list. I don't want to <laughs> be on there. Yeah. No, I, I, you know, it, it, the phone rings constantly. There's some points where I can't even pick it up. Like it could be a good prank call. You never know. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm like, I'm too busy. I don't have time. How do you record something like that? Like, do you have a setup already ready to Just go? A recorder that hooked up to the phone. A little recorder hooked up to the phone. And does it record every time you answer the phone? So that, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a good way to do it. So that this way you never miss an opportunity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I used to have used it like an old school cassette, like Radio Shack cassette recorder. Mm -hmm. Then I'm like, all right, I got to, I got to update the equipment a little. Yeah. But yeah, so that's how I do it. And just, you know, you never know what's going to be on the other. Look, they, you know, you can be great on the call and I, I never really have a, I never know exactly what I'm going to do until I hear what they're talking about. And I hear some kind of phrase they say, maybe I'll just go with that, but they have to be, I have to get under their skin. They have to get annoyed for it to be a good call. Have you ever, have you ever had a call where you've, you've broken character just because it's been too funny even for you i try not to you know without video it's a lot easier not to break character mm -hmm. you know you can just put the phone away so i'm usually pretty good at it i'm, I'm sure just, i'm sure it's probably easier not having anybody in the room with you absolutely too. yeah nobody in the room and there's no video so if you know like if i'm face to face with the person i could crack mm -hmm. and definitely but on the phone it's easy not to or if you see somebody else cracking, like in your yeah. peripheral, you, it'll yeah. cause you to do it the same way. Yeah. yeah. So I'm looking forward to hearing the new stuff when it comes out because I love stuff like that.
Yeah, no, I've been doing it for a while. And it's just like, I was bored. I'm like, I might as well do another one. Any, any idea? I know you mentioned it in your comedy special special, which we're about to get to, but you know, you mentioned your son who at the time you recorded your special, I think he was around 10. I don't know if it's, he's still the same age, but any, any plans to maybe kind of teach your son the reins and pass on the prank gene to Oh, he's to already making prank calls. Sometimes like dad, can I get answer that call when the phone rang? I'm like, yeah, you go for it. So he's got a few <laughs> good ones. Yeah. 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 He definitely does. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's got, you know, he's 11. So he's still, you know, he's still got a high voice. They think he's a woman, you know, and like, um, <laughs> miss, can you put your father on phone? Like, it's, I'm a, I'm a man. And like, how old are you? He's like 52. Like, so he, he's, he's kind of good at it. <laughs> Are you going to put any of them on the, on the album? I might, if they, if there's a good enough one, I might do it. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so you're back on tour now too, after the world, basically the country basically shutting down for almost two years. What's it been like getting back, getting back on tour? It's fine. I mean, I've been, you know, I, I took like the first four months off in March, 2020 to like the beginning of the summer. And then, you know, there was a lot of outdoor shows. So I started doing them wherever they put a stage up. So, you know, and then it was somewhere you couldn't tour because only 25% capacity. Mm-hmm. That was like the fall 2020. But since, you know, 2021, pretty much, it's been, it's been pretty much open. You know, this wave we hit in January, you know, everything, a lot of shows got canceled for like a month. Yeah. You know, to, so, but other than that, everything's fine. So back out there. Good. You know, you just, uh, yeah, it hasn't been too bad. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, so, I mean, getting to the comedy special, um, which is bite the bullet was, I think it's your, correct me if I'm wrong. Is it your fourth or fifth full length comedy special? Mm, I don't know. It might be the sixth or seventh. Oh, okay. It could be. Yeah. I got to, um, what first off, where was it filmed? Because that, that venue, the warehouse looks awesome. Yeah. The Fairfield theater in Fairfield, Connecticut. Okay. The room holds like six, eight hundred people or whatever like that. It's just a, yeah. I went in there and I was like, "This is the place to do it." This is yeah, because just just from the intro of the comedy special, seeing the outside of it and everything, like it looks very, it, yeah. it just looks really cool. Yeah, and they do a lot of comedy shows there, and they have their own streaming thing set up for bands and comedians. If you want to stream a show from there or whatever, I brought in my own crew for it. But no, that was a perfect spot to do yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, and again, like being the possibly sixth or seventh full length one that you've done, it's you, it's you're no stranger to filming these specials. What was the, uh, what what prompted the release on YouTube rather than making it and for free on YouTube at that, like rather than putting it pay to view on your on your website or maybe going to somewhere like dry bar comedy and doing something there. What prompted the free release on YouTube? Yeah. I don't know. Cause I think, you know, more, more of the comics are doing that now. You know, I always put them on, you can rent all mine on Amazon prime or Apple or whatever like that. You can mm-hmm. rent it or buy it, but you don't get as many views on it. Everybody's on YouTube. Everybody's on their phone. So all the comics started putting them free on YouTube and between the views and the, you know, your channel is monetized and then people will donate cause you put it out for free. So, so between that and then more people will see it, which more means more people are going to come see you in a comedy club. Yeah. So that's the idea behind it. Look, if everybody wants a Netflix special. There's only so many to go around. Mm-hmm. So if you can't get it, you can't get an HBO special, then you go, you go that route. Yeah. I mean, you know, and like I said, I'm a huge fan of stand up. Like I have been for a long time. I was a massive and still am a massive Robin Williams fan. Like I'm still sad that he's gone. But I mean, I love 
I, I love going and discovering new comics that I've never watched before. That's why I, I enjoy dry. I have a subscription to dry bar comedy and I'll just put one up random just to mm-hmm. watch it. YouTube stand up comedy specials, Netflix. I've seen a number of people I've never even heard of before. So, you know, every opportunity I get to watch a stand up comedy special, whether it's especially free on YouTube, I, I, I jump at the opportunity. Yeah. Like I said, cause it's, you know, they're usually hid, hidden behind a paywall, which is good too. But it's like, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put it out there and, you know, keep promoting it. And, you know, there's a bunch of clips you keep putting out. Mm-hmm. And if one of those goes viral or whatever, who knows, you know, the thing could blow up. So, and your you YouTube know. channel. Yeah. I mean, you, you're putting out stuff, uh, you know, quite often. I mean, whether it's little clips, I mean, we were talking right before we started recording, I was watching a clip of you ranting about Bob Evans, putting up prime rib all day, which was hysterical, <laughs> but it's a two minute clip. It's something that's yeah. easy to watch. And, you yep. know, uh, you know, and every, a certain, every other number of days you, you put up something, if it's just something small, so it keeps that attention and it keeps people coming back. And yeah, like you said, monetizing your channel, it, it kind of helps towards doing all that. So yes, yeah, so I can see the appeal of releasing it free on YouTube. Yeah, and eventually all my podcasts are going to be on YouTube, released on YouTube, but also on iTunes, too. So the audio of the podcast for the week, because I usually do two a week or whatever, will be up on the YouTube channel, too. So I'll just start building it, see yeah. where it goes. You never know. I've been trying to do that more. Like, I, I, I'm i on all, like, Apple, Spotify, like, all of that. And I get decent numbers on there, but I just, I'm trying to, like, kind of train myself to release it on YouTube when it comes out so that I can try and build even more on that it's just it's a as much as i watch youtube posting on youtube is a new venture right so i'm trying to just kind of train myself. yeah i mean i don't i know everything changes you know every six months is a new platform go here do this it's like so i'm just gonna you know but youtube's always been there for a long time and Mm -hmm. people are making good money on there and just you know it's basically you're playing the it's your own tv channel basically for your fans yeah that's the way i look at it so yeah. Um, uh, before we wrap up, you mentioned the podcast and I did want to bring that up. Um, I love the title. Everybody is awesome or everybody is awful except you. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about the podcast, because I mean, as a fellow po- as a fellow podcaster, I wish I had more time to listen to podcasts as much as I enjoy podcasting. So I'll freely admit I haven't had an opportunity to listen to the podcast yet, but it's presented by Barstool Sports. Uh, tell me a little bit about it so that my listeners can can go and check it out as well. It's just me ranting about like, you know, almost like that Bob Evans prime rib all mm-hmm. day. It's like things on social media, fans of the podcast will send in stuff that, you know, that, that, will, that I'll hate. And I just it's basically me ranting for 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. Whether it be a gender reveal party gone wrong or people posting pictures of their food you know, and, and want compliments on it, whatever, whatever it is, or some stupid story out there, whatever. So I just, so it's just me by myself, just, you know, ranting about stuff like a and lunatic. How, and how often do you release? Is it every week or? Yeah, I do well, every Monday and Thursday, two a week. Oh, two a week. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to have to subscribe. I mean, it's just because it sounds like something that's right up my alley. It's something. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just like the prime rib thing, you know, yeah. the ranting about that. You know, you find something, you just go with it. But, you know, the people that listen, it's great because they'll say I give an email out and they'll send in stuff. Oh, you're going to hate this. The vanity <laughs> license plates, you know, when people put, you know, stupid stuff. They're Joe LOL on a license plate. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, so stuff like that. So it's great. So they, they, it helps me sift through all the stuff where I don't have to go out and actually seek it. Yeah. 
Um, in addition to, you know, we talked about the stand up, you're back on tour, the special is on YouTube, you've got the podcast twice a week. Um, your book is still out there as well. You do the show on Sirius XM, you're all you're you're constantly a busy man. Any other projects in the works that we could look forward to? Like what what's coming in the future from Jim Florentine? No, well, just that you know, the the, the prank call C D probably in the next few months. Mm-hmm. I'm not done with it yet, the telemarketers. So I got to, you know, that'll be coming out soon. And then I'm just going back on the road and, um, you know, coming up with a whole new set. Cause once you film the special, you pretty much have to get rid of that material. Yeah. So you slowly build up another set, you yeah. know, so I like piece it together and build, build it up new material. So that's what I'm in the process of doing now. Yeah. Well, I mean, I want to encourage everybody to, if, if you're in their area, I, I encourage everybody to come out and, and see your show. Uh, Listen to Sirius XM if they have, you know, hopefully they have a subscription uh, to to check it out. You know, check out the comedy special on YouTube. I think that's the most important thing right now is go check out Bite the Bullet on YouTube. Uh, check out your your website, jimflorentine.com for tour dates. And uh, once you get that telemarketer CD uh, ready to release and everything, I'd love to have you back on to kind of uh, to promote it and Absolutely. talk about it. Yeah, well, yeah, probably be like three or four months. I'll be out. I'll yeah, definitely come on because I'm going to be looking to go out and promote it and stuff. Yeah, yeah I, the YouTube I, I, channel I is, is uh, YouTube.com/slash Jim Florentine Comedy. Yeah, and I think yeah. all your all your tour dates and everything are available on your website as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, Jim, thanks a ton for for doing Absolutely, this. Absolutely, man. Awesome. Yeah, it's been a blast talking to you, and I can't wait to have you back on a little bit later on down the road. I appreciate that. Thanks. <laughs>